Good morning, Sac City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. Well, it's actually the Fantasy Drive presented by the, Fa- oh. the Sac City Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is a beautiful October 4th morning here in the city. The Fantasy Drive is about to kick off. I have oh, an OG here. Well, an OG <laughs> with me. Back in the day, <laughs> me and this guy used to throw it back and tear it down <sighs> like nobody's business. He is your boy. Hey, Jay Johnson joining us here today on this beautiful Fantasy Drive show. AJ, how goes it? It it, it goes. My heart's pumping. Uh, not nervous. I'm excited. Uh, it's great to be back. Uh, I, you know, it, it's, it's new up here. Let's put it that way. It's new up here. I've been getting used to my surroundings and trying to get my mental right up here. It's, it's hard in the North. Your ears pop more often. So there's not yeah, more room for yeah. anything else. Go, go, going over these Hills, the ears pop quite a lot, yeah. quite a lot more. That's, that's the thing that, that is a surefire thing right there that the ears pop just a little bit more over here, going over these mountains. Uh, well, we've got a great show ahead of us. We are going to be diving in and recapping the Monday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. We've also got a great fantasy show uh, ahead of us. We are going to be breaking down the winners, the losers, and uh, quite a lot of injuries this past week. So we're going to talk about some of the notable uh, players filling in and uh, what that impact does for some big names, including names like Kenny Pickett including names like Teddy Bridgewater coming into Miami. Uh, we'll dive into that and so much more. AJ, you know, it, it doesn't happen often nowadays on the show because oh, it's just not right. But I'm going to load up the music before we get into anything. Ooh. Tell the beautiful people where they can follow us at. See if I still got this like I did in the old days. Ladies, gentlemen, welcome in. Good morning. It is at Sac City Pod. And you know where to find us? I'm going to tell you, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, it's super simple. Go to those websites, put in at Sac City Pod, hit that like, hit that follow, hit that share, that share button nine times out of ten, that little arrow over to the right, send it to somebody, send it to anybody, send it to everybody, because your world needs to know about at Sac City Pod, the best place on the interwebs for your NFL content on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Good morning, Sac City. Welcome in. Your boys are back in town. There it is. There it is. Let's dive into some Monday night football here. The Los Angeles Rams fell to the San Francisco 49ers 24 to 9 on Monday night football. Yes, the Rams, again, the offense not showing out. They they only score nine points on a very good, and I'll give the Niners defense credit. The Niners defense is, is, is good. <laughs> Uh, but the Rams were only able to put up nine points on the road uh, in San Francisco. They lose 24 to nine in this game. AJ, last year, you were, you might've been a year early on this, on this offensive line for the Rams, not looking great. And in this game, they didn't look great protecting Matthew Stafford. Uh, they got to the quarterback a lot. They made plays and um, it wasn't a good, good day as a whole from the Rams offense. What are you seeing this year from the Rams that is that stands out the most to you and why they're not looking good. Yeah, this, this offense just doesn't seem like it can get creative enough to get the ball on time. I mean, this is a makeshift offensive line. You mentioned it's not as uh, potent as it used to be. And, you know, 
they got a lot of uh, injuries up there, but that's no excuse. I mean, we've seen them overcome things like this before. And last night, the San Francisco 49ers gave them no time to do anything. Seven sacks is ridiculous. That pocket was just collapsing all night. There's no run game that can be efficient enough. Uh, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson aren't getting through the tackles and getting downfield enough, which makes it very easy to hone in on the passing game. And even last night, your passing game, as normal, was Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby and nobody else. Allen Robinson isn't able to get going. We haven't seen he, he was able to make things happen on his attempts. But Cooper Cup has a career-high 14 receptions because he's being targeted 18 times and nobody else can get anything going. Well, it's not going to go well on even a middle of the pack defense, let alone probably a top five defense in the San Francisco 49ers. And the 49ers defense for the Rams is basically red kryptonite. They can't do anything for them. They get the Los Angeles Rams angry. They're fighting on the field. Their best tackle might have been on, on a streaker last night, if I'm not mistaken. So um, it, it's real tough for them, man. Uh, San Francisco at this point, that defense is looking really great. Um, they've allowed less than 20 points in all four games this season now. Um, and if that keeps trending, this is going to be a team that will be well past two and two in a, in a yeah. while. Yeah, this team could be right back in the NFC Championship game if if this uh, if this season progresses the way it's been going for the for the Niners. Uh, Jimmy G obviously comes in and replaces Trey Lance earlier on in the season. Uh, now he's got a few games under his belt. How would you how would you uh, rate Jimmy G's performance not only in this game but from what you've seen as a whole uh, from him this season? You know, it's funny for any other team against the Rams and being a game that you need to get acclimated in would be scary. But for the 49ers, it's going to be great for Jimmy G because this is what they do against the Rams. They play quite well. He's 7-0 and now against the Rams in his career in regular season games. Um, I give it a B, B plus, B plus really. And it's not because... This, this game is right up Jimmy G's alley. This is what he's supposed to do. What they wanted Trey Lance for was to take all those deep shots down the field, to do the do the spectacular. What you have Jimmy G for is to not make mistakes, to manage the game, and to get the plays done correctly. It's finding Debo Samuel quickly so he can make things happen. You see him throw the ball for five yards, Debo Samuel does the rest for a 57-yard touchdown. You see him creatively find ways to get the ball to Brandon Ayuk. While he could have had a much bigger day, he still did his part of, of his job. He would have had a great Great touchdown to George Kittle in the back of the end zone, except for a couple feet or a couple inches of a toe tap being out of bounds. So uh, last night, Jimmy G was in there as the San Francisco 49ers. You had no worries. You knew he was going to play his role, uh, and he did it in Jimmy G fashion. They came out with the win. He didn't make many mistakes, and he took his team and led them to victory with the spectacular showing of Adebo Samuel uh, and of Jeff Wilson Jr., who also ran pretty well, despite losing not only Trent Williams, but their backup left tackle as well. Uh, they found the lanes up in the middle, and Kyle Juszczyk did his thing as a lead blocker a few times and hey, uh, let Kyle Wilson break free. That's my guy right there. That's the guy who ended up in a, in a worthless DFS play that I had last night. Kyle Juszczyk was one of my uh, one of my stars. So that's uh, Kyle that, Yeah, he, he's just he's always guaranteed just some type of work that'll make you say, "Why is Kyle Juszczyk touching the ball?" But then you realize, "Oh shit, it's Kyle Juszczyk. That's just not, yeah. not just no normal fullback. That's the best fullback in the league." Uh, Man, that 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 uh that pass that wheel route he ran on the side of, on the right side coming out of half was a thing of beauty. I mean, I, yeah. I honestly had to look. And I was like, "What tight end is that?" I hope it's not Kittle. I'm playing Kittle. And lo and behold, it's Kyle Juszczyk. You're just like, "Damn, that man was moving, putting bodies on the ground." That is probably to this day one of the most uh, prolific fullbacks or important fullbacks in the NFL. 
Yeah, and, and, and another player that's important on that offense is Debo Samuel. Is he is he the most oh man? I'm trying to find the word for it. I think Debo Samuel might be the most special player in terms of like the impact of the offense in the entire NFL. Would you agree with that? Because I mean, this is he's a Swiss Army knife. He can do everything. And you take Debo Samuel out of this offense, and I'm not sure how, how this offense is looking. That part I can agree with. If you take him out of this offense and you and you have Jimmy G back there, now you've got some issues because there's not enough creativity. There's not really an X factor. George Kittle wouldn't be able to do it all by himself without having the guys like this. But he is incredibly hard to plan for because he's now one of those guys that they line up everywhere. Uh, I think if you saw the Monday Night Graphic, he's lined up at the, at the outside left 46 times, the outside right 47 times. He's lined up in the slot six or seven times on both sides. He's lined up at the tight end position he's lined up in the backfield you never understand where to be to stop a Debo Samuel which creates mismatch problems all over the field and when you finally put a guy on it who you think all right that guy has a good shot on Debo Samuel well one of two things is going to happen they're going to go somebody else and beat you that way or two Debo Samuel is going to get the ball in a creative fashion and then make the yards after the catch and as you can see it is very hard to bring him down as short as he is that man is stout down low when you make Jalen Ramsey bounce off your tree trunks that, that's saying something about the strength that you have. So he is incredibly hard to plan for. Uh, when he's healthy, he's one of the best receivers, one of the best players in the NFL. And uh, that's uh, that's why I went to bat for him all last season and will continue to do so until he's injured. Yeah, he's, he's something special. He is something special. Uh, for this game, so when we dive when we dive into the specifics of this game, what were your takeaways as a whole uh, from either side of the ball, 49ers or Rams? What was your biggest takeaway from this game? I don't think I don't think it's time to panic on the Rams. Um, no, you're not supposed to look like this against a division rival, uh, but. Once again, this has been that trend. It's kind of like the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Colts. It's just what happens. The Colts always lose. The Rams seem to always lose against the 49ers. They're a good team. Sean McVay is a good coach. They're going to get it together. Um, you know, we're hoping some of those pieces, and when I say we, just NFL fans, I'm not a Rams fan, uh, hoping some of those pieces in the offensive line get right, uh, get healthy. And uh, I don't want to, I don't think we should be labeling Super Bowl hangover on the Rams yet. We talked about some of their, their mishaps last season. We saw what they were able to do when it really mattered. So I think they're going to get it going. I think you look at this game and, you know, they were exposed in some places and some things that need to be fixed. I, I believe Sean McVay and Matt Stafford will get that right. Uh, and you'll see them playing quite well deep into the late parts of the season. I'm not going to jump into a deep run of the playoffs yet. I don't know that. I imagine they'll make the playoffs, but uh, I don't think they're a team that we're going to look at and be like, oh, they're in trouble. They need some some major help. Um, uh, that's my biggest takeaway from both of the sides of the game. Great game played by San Francisco. They deserved every bit of it. And uh, I'd like to thank them for allowing me to win a game because of Matt Stafford. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I, mean, <laughs> I think, and let's, let's, let's wrap this up with fantasy talk here. I think, is it time that you can drop Allen Robinson? I mean, yes. Yeah. In my opinion, he's just not doing enough. I'm not sure he's getting the looks you want either. And that and that's really when it comes down to it. And if you are getting the looks and they're coming so slow because you're making all this all this hoopla about a uh, Cooper Cup, I mean, when you're getting six and five targets and you're only catching two of them weeks in the last two weeks, 
it's so you're not being able to capitalize. Now, is that because he's not getting the opportunity enough? Is the ball coming to him way too late and he's not prepared, which is a piss poor excuse, obviously. But I, I think there's better options out there. And he's one of those players that look like if you drop Allen Robinson, <laughs> there's a good chance if you found a reason to need him again, he'd still be there for you to pick him up. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's four weeks in. There's probably some better options out there. Shit, Scroneck may be the guy you want to pick up on the Rams. Hey man, <laughs> Benny Benny Scro, he is. Uh, I, I don't I don't know what to do with this like this offense. It's like it's Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby's productive, and then there's like I mean, there's just a whole bunch of inconsistency. And I think at this point, Allen Robinson might be one of those candidates for for a drop uh, for a drop because he. I, I saw someone last night that I don't, I haven't seen. And I'm, I'm, you guys know me. I'm a big Allen Robinson supporter. Yeah. I've been a big Allen Robinson guy, thinking that this would have been a, a clear, a, a clear bounce back year for Allen Robinson. And something I saw from him last night was a play in the end zone with Matthew Stafford throwing it to him. He was on one on one coverage with a corner. I can't remember what corner. It was good coverage. It was it was very tight, but the ball was thrown up in the air. And I've seen Allen Robinson make this play many of times before. And it was it was a thrown up ball and it was a little high, but Allen Robinson's a big body receiver, and that's why you go get it. So it was at the left corner of the end zone. And I it obviously wasn't caught, but I thought it was a more catchable ball than what was led on to be. And I've seen Allen Robinson go up and make that play before, and it just didn't seem like he was all there. Like he was it didn't yeah. seem like he was uh I, I don't know. Just something looked off. Normally I feel like an Allen Robinson would be more aggressive on that ball. I thought he could have been, who am I to say? I've never played wide receiver a day in my life. I've never let alone played in the NFL. So maybe I'm wrong about that, but to something's not right with Allen Robinson. And if you could, if you could find a low, if you could sell, sell low, or if you can trade him first for, for pennies on the dollar, that would be great. Uh, if you could, but dropping him might be on the horizon. If he can, if he has more, yeah. uh, more tough weeks. The, the the plus side and the crazy part about it is he's playing more than 90% of the snaps. And I mean, last night he saw his most targets at six and in, a, in the nicest way to me, that was out of desperation just to find some type of offense other than Cooper cup and Tyler Higby. But even at that spell, again, he's caught two targets. He's got two receptions last week, week before one reception, week one, week two was his best when he caught four and a touchdown, his yards per target all except that week two. 1.17 yards per target last night, 4.6 yards per target the night before. Uh, I'm sorry, the week before. So even when he's getting the opportunity, unless he can become a yak monster, I mean, it's not really garnering much either. So uh, part of that makes me worry a little bit uh, on what even Allen Robinson will be able to do if they really find a way to get him in this. And God forbid um, – OBJ finds his way back sooner in the week 10 and decides to come back to the Rams. Cause then uh, honestly, he's going to be whittled out faster than Benny Scrow. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, oh, we got some, I got some OBJ news coming up for that. that that's, that's, that might be the perfect segue. Uh, <laughs> AJ, I'm going to actually give this one to you and you can start off with, with OBJ, but uh, do you know the OBJ news, right? You, you aware do. of this? Okay, good, yeah. good, good. So we're going to get in to our morning headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. AJ, it is time for the morning headlines. Give it to us. Ladies and gentlemen, Odell Beckham Jr. We have a sighting. 
Some people might have been talking about him being in Bahamas chilling and rehabbing, and that might be true. But Josina Anderson, if I'm not mistaken, said that he was yep. visiting with the Giants yesterday, was in the facility talking and having himself a good old time. Now, does that mean he's going back to New York? I'm not so sure. There's a lot of love left in that L.A. Rams team, one that he left the Super Bowl with. But there's a lot of love with New York for Odell Beckham Jr. as well, a team that he got to start with, a team he made his name with, a city that he embraced. And although it wasn't beautiful on the way out, his, his words have been the same every place he's gone. The NFL is a business. And for OBJ, that is exactly how he treats it. Sometimes it's not about what he wants. It's about what's best for him and his future. And if the Giants, who might be needed wide receiver help with Sterling Shepard going down, Kadarius Toney never being a factor, Wondell Robinson taking a while to come in and even still being a rookie, and Kenny G never really materializing, it might be a place that he can go back and get to be a number one again. And despite how great he's been as a teammate in the recent years, OBJ still believes he's a number one receiver and still has a talent to show he might be able to. So uh, it does remain to be seen what will happen with that. I don't know that he makes a decision until he's actually able to come in and play. Uh, but as of now, the words are he was seen in the New York Giants organization for a quote unquote visit. I am not buying this at all. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, don't, I believe Josina Anderson for reporting that uh, the news about OBJ um, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not buying that he returns to, to, right. to the giants. Like, that's I don't see not the a thing. yeah, there's, no, the there, there's, there's nothing in, like the only thing that OBJ is going to get out of that is being the number one wide receiver on a team that has no one else to throw to. Um, and that's not to disrespect, uh, Richie, Richie James and maybe Wondell <laughs> Robinson when he comes back. Um, but OBJ would be the number one, but he would be in the same position that got him frustrated and angry and mad before where he was fr- – he, he had Baker Mayfield thrown to him, which he complained about, and then he had Daniel or uh, Eli Manning thrown to him, which he didn't – he wasn't crazy about the New York media, and it was just a mess. So it just doesn't seem like yeah. – it seems like OBJ would, is best fit in a, in a more situ- – in a situation where there's a quarterback – and uh, an offense that can support him. And I'm not sure he can get that in New York uh, again, but it, boy, the headlines would be, would be, uh, yeah. would be huge yeah. if, if OBJ returned to, uh, to New York. Uh, what, what's some other headlines for us? The Denver Broncos are signing Latavius Murray um, from the practice squad of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, good on him for getting some run in that game with Alvin Kamara out because now that the Broncos are going to be missing a Javante Williams for the uh, season, uh, they're going to need some help with Melvin Gordon fumbling every day. Uh, Latavius Murray, no, he's not in his prime, but he's still proven to be a serviceable enough back. Uh, he can still work the goal lines quite well. Um, so the Broncos are bringing him in to give some help to Melvin Gordon in that run game as they are going to need it because they are just now starting to see something of an offense with Russell Wilson. And that was one game against Texans, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, let's not let's not go crazy here. Yeah, this uh, the, what a day. What a what a few tw- what is 24 hours for Melvin Gordon? He goes from he goes from getting the work in, in London and then comes back and is like, oh, well, you know what? I'm, I'm the shit now. And then also on the Broncos side, 
you are not going to be anything with Melvin Gordon yeah. and uh, and uh, who is their other running back? Uh, Mike Boone. Mike Boone. Mike Boone. <laughs> We're not doing this, Denver. This is and that's exactly what Denver's doing here. They're like, okay, we've got a team that's the offense has not been performing as good as we want them to. And just like One Nation Underground says, Denver just snatched them up. That's what happened. No questions that, that's asked. It. Yeah, that, no questions asked. That's what that's what happened. They needed him. Um, but good stuff, good stuff. That's uh, that's it for the morning headlines, though. Not too heavy of a day when it comes to morning headlines. But you know how it is on a Tuesday morning. The injuries get a little heavy. Let's see if I can do do Aaron Proud here on the show with these injury headlines here. Let's there's quite a lot. I'm going to run through mm. them. Uh, starting off with AJ, your Atlanta Falcons placing Cordero Patterson on IR, uh, having a knee procedure done on it on his on obviously well his knee. Um, he will be out at least four weeks with that injury. Uh, tough news in, in Atlanta for that losing one of their key pieces. Uh, look out for Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley. Uh, on the waiver wire, I we will be releasing on our YouTube Aaron's top five waiver claims of the week. So check that out uh, when you get a chance. Uh, another news to a tongue of Aloha. It's been a huge story going on in the NFL with the, the concussion protocol and and the changes that have been made. But when we talk about the person of Tua Tungavaloa, he will be out for the Dolphins game uh, against the New York Jets this coming week. They have also brought in Ben DiNucci. <laughs> Jake from uh, to to work out as their wow. possibly their backup quarterbacks uh, or quarterbacks on the depth chart, I should say. Uh, so no Tua against the Jets on Sunday. We've also got Traylon Burks ending up on the IR. No surgery on his little turf toe that he's got going on, but Traylon Burks could be landing on the IR shortly with that injury to his foot. Uh, not a great start, honestly, to Traylon Burks' career. And I've been very down on him. And this is just another woe to trail on Burks's career, but he might not land on IR, but he's definitely going to miss some time. Uh, so, so Tennessee watch out. You're not going to be without your AJ Brown replacement uh, in Broncos news. Javante. This is, this is, this is huge for everybody. This is huge for fantasy. This is huge for the Broncos. We talked about Latavius Murray coming in. Javante Williams has suffered a torn ACL and will be out the remainder of the season. A big blow to not just the Denver Broncos, but we're talking fantasy today, and it's a big blow to all of your fantasy teams. You really need to watch our waiver wire, our waiver wire video on YouTube because it features a lot of running backs to be able to replace all the running backs that are injured, including Javante Williams. Uh, in other news of the Denver Broncos, Randy Gregory will be undergoing surgery to trim his meniscus just a tad. Just a tad on his injured knee. There's no torn ACL, so that's good news. Uh, it won't require anything big, uh, but he is expected to miss at least a couple of weeks, according to Tom Palacero. Whew. Got a few more. Got a few more here. This is you got this. You got these this. injury reports are, are okay, brutal. Let me help you. Right, okay, hey, <laughs> what a great guy what a great guy running back news again i talked about running backs being on the waiver wire to replace some of the injuries going on jonathan taylor uh has not been ruled out for thursday night's matchup against the uh the denver broncos but he will be continued to he will be monitored throughout the week uh with his ankle injury uh that he suffered in sunday's matchup he 
I don't. We talked about it yesterday. I'm not sure if he plays on Thursday, so you need to be prepared. Maybe if Naeem Hines is out there, I doubt he is. He shouldn't be, but if he is, go get him um, because Jonathan Taylor will might possibly miss uh, Thursday's yeah, game. Yeah, someone who will, will will miss Thursday's game will be Shaq Leonard, though, with a concussion. Uh, the the Colts will be without him on Thursday. Lewis Seen of Minnesota Vikings safety uh, underwent successful preparatory uh, successful preparatory procedure Sunday on his injured leg that he suffered in the London game on Sunday against the Saints. Uh, underwent the successful procedure. He is staying in London though to recover just a little bit before heading back to the states. Uh, and it was a very very sad and and, and brutal sight uh, with the scene injury on Sunday. But we're glad everything is going well with him. And uh, two guys that should be returning back to practice this week. Uh, we're going to end these this injury report on good notes. Just that's that's how I'm doing it here. Ending it on a good note. Gus Edwards of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, John Harbaugh came out and said that he should start practicing this week, which is great to hear for Gus Edwards. Great to hear for fantasy owners. Keep an eye on him. And Brian Robinson, medically cleared by the Washington Commanders medical staff or the from from the medical staff um, there. Brian Robinson obviously suffered the. Uh, the gunshots to to his legs earlier on in this season. It was a very tragic, very sad story, but he's bouncing back very fast and he has been medically cleared to return to the field. Uh, so we should be seeing Brian Robinson uh, popping it's up. Awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's great. It is great, man. That's it's it's fantastic to hear. Fantastic to hear for someone who has him on his pup list or his injured reserve list in the my, my biggest my biggest memory of Brian Robinson from like the conversations we've had was you drafting him in our final mock draft. And Aaron's just like, why would you do that? He's like, well, what happens if he comes back? And Aaron's like, he got shot. He got yeah. shot. <laughs> got shot. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. And then from there, I was like, you know what? And and because Aaron made the league like 20 million roster spots, I'm yeah. like, okay, like I'm gonna, I'm Worst definitely gonna draft him now. Yeah. So uh it, it's good. But Brian Robinson coming back, uh Gus Edwards coming back. That does it for our injury report. Uh let's get in, let's talk some fantasy here, buddy. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here and talk some fantasy from week four. Uh, Great action that we saw. AJ, give me your biggest winner from the fantasy week four. All right. So my fantasy week four winner uh, is going to be a name we all know and love. And we're happy to say this. It's Austin Eckler from the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Finally, finally, we got to see the explosion of the Eckler man that we've been waiting to see. Um, what was it? 13 carries, 60 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, six or seven receiving, 49 reception yards, and a receiving touchdown. This, uh, you know, we've been waiting for. Austin Eckler has not had the start to the season where he used to. And on uh, Pigskins and Pancakes Sunday, we had a big argument. At least Dylan was so angry that Aaron had the audacity to put Austin Eckler at his seventh spot on his running back rankings. But this is why. The floor itself, he hasn't been less than double digits despite the inefficient uh, start to the season. And the upside, the ceiling is just so high. He came back yesterday with 33.9 fantasy points in most PPR leagues. Being able to get the the targets that he's still looking for, he still never got, I think besides week one, still seven or, or more targets each game, always, always catching everything thrown his way. Uh, and this is what I meant by the, 
by the offense funneling through him. Even though he's inefficient, he's too important to the offense for it to go another route. And he's did this on less than 60% of the snaps yesterday. That's the only worry you may have for an Austin Eckler was he didn't pay 60% of snaps while they're trying to get some other things going. But the nature of this offense, while Keaton Allen's not there, uh, you know, they are trying to get Mike Williams and Josh Palmer and guys like that a little bit more incorporated. And that has left Austin Eckler a little bit back. But even still, what he's able to do once he's on the field, I think this is just the beginning. I don't think you're going to see him trend backwards. Um, no, I'm not saying he's going to have 34 points again next week. But I definitely look for him to put back up his 20 spots and be in that area uh, moving forward if possible. So week four fantasy winner for me, Austin Eckler with a great stat line and uh, helping me to a couple of W's as well. There you go. There you go. Austin Eckler is back, baby. And the biggest thing here is Sony Michelle didn't play as much as he's been only 24% of the snaps uh, yesterday for, for the Chargers or uh, on Sunday against Texans for the Chargers. Uh, that's the biggest thing is where when I saw at least for the uh, against in the Jaguars game where they got crushed. Uh, I was like, why the why the hell am I seeing Sony Michelle so much? Austin Eckler is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Like this, should, this should not be happening. Like, I can't. I, I don't get why Sony Michelle's a, a thing uh, when you have Austin Eckler, and and uh, it, it was good to see Austin Eckler return to form uh, this past week. Where there's a winner, though, there has to be a loser. AJ, who is your fantasy loser this week? This hurts my heart. This really hurts my heart. Uh, my fantasy loser this week is Kyle Pitts, the Atlanta Falcons tight end. This. As you can tell, it hurts my heart for multiple reasons. But from a fantasy perspective, Kyle Pitts yesterday is is trending backwards. Only had 34 snaps yesterday. He was outsnapped by Parker Hesse, who had 48 snaps. Then in one exactly who <laughs> in one tight end personnel. Uh, he played three out of a possible 29 snaps, meaning when there's only one tight end, this was not the guy that was on the field. He only ran 12 routes, was only targeted four times of those, and unfortunately only two of those targets were even catchable, which gave him one reception for 25 yards, now ca- catching 25 or fewer pass yards in three of his first four games and has still only had one touchdown in 21 career games. This is worrisome because Kyle Pitts is an absolute talent. There's no there's no disputing that. We know this. What I don't understand is why there's no connection between a Mariota and a Kyle Pitts. Honestly, I feel like if we would have picked up Ben DiNucci, he would find a connection with Kyle Pitts. He's a matchup nightmare wherever you put him. He's too fast for the tight ends. He's too big for the cornerbacks. Yet we can't find targets to him. And when we do, we're we're airmailing him. Arthur Smith said, this isn't fantasy football. We are out here to win. You want to take fantasy football out of it? We're playing fantasy football, Arthur. We're playing fantasy football. This guy fourth overall. Is this what you had in mind? One season of over a thousand yards and then not use him and then let Parker Hesse run more routes than him? Take more snaps than him? It doesn't make sense to me. Kyle Pitts, they have to find a way to get him the ball. I understand Drake London is a talent, but the whole point of having another talent is that they have to choose who they're going to guard. Is it going to be Kyle Pitts? Is it going to be Drake London? And right now, I would be focusing on Drake London because they're not finding a way to get Kyle Pitts the ball. Um, 25 or fewer yards in three weeks is not good. It's not sustainable. We're talking about a guy who we're always going to have ranked in the top five tight ends. Yeah. I might question that for a little bit. 
that's just that's just the bad part about the tight end landscape. It's tough because you can't you can't obviously you're not going to drop him. He's not playing that no badly. But like in terms of like trading him, and I do see we have a we have a fan here, here legacy. I'm going to answer your trade comment in just a second. Um, but for Kyle Pitts, it's like you can't. You, you, there's nothing really you can do except for wait until he has until and hope he gets back into form and maybe then you trade him away and trade high when he does have that next good performance maybe if you don't think it's going to be uh, a consistent i don't think marcus Mariota is the type of quarterback that can sustain multiple weapons and drake london has had, been having a good year like that's where i yeah. think it's all going to i think last year they didn't have anyone else but kyle pitts this year it's Drake London who's taking it away, and Marcus Mariota is not going to be the guy who can who can take um, who can sustain and and support two two big time weapons like that. Uh, Legacy has a question here, and we're going to talk about this trade here uh, real quick before we move on. Uh, he says, "Would you do Swift and Mike Williams for Dalvin Cook and Christian Kirk? I would do that trade." Uh, I guess I shouldn't be crazy about it and say in a heartbeat, but I would do, I would take the Dalvin cook and Christian Kirk side. Um, I know that Christian Kirk's coming off of a bad week and Dalvin cook's got that shoulder injury. Um, but Swift's also hurt. And I just, I've never been a fan of Mike Williams. I think I, I don't, I don't like the, his, his, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I just, you know how emotional I get with things. So like seeing, <laughs> seeing Mike Williams go up, and down and up that's literally how his season's been he's had like five points and 20 points and then five points and then 20 points and then five points and then 20 points and i think <laughs> keenan allen's gonna come back as well and i don't know how <laughs> I, I i don't know how the how that's gonna affect mike williams as well you that might that might make him have more down games than up games and i know keenan allen was there last year mike williams did good last year but i don't i don't like mike williams that much would you do this deal <laughs> Uh, I agree with you, except for the not liking Mike Williams part uh, for most of those reasons. Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Swift are, to me, equal in a way. Uh, yep. the, the volume they get and the fact they're both hurt right now. The difference here for me is you are getting Christian Kirk when someone's trying to sell uh, sell low, basically, because he just had a bad week. And you go ahead and grab him. He's the number one. Mike Williams has done a fine job stepping in. And of course, he's going to still have his good days. He's an incredible talent. But when Keenan Allen gets back, make no mistake, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen have a connection. Like they are still, they are already in one of the top areas of targets between two receptors, uh, two uh, quarterback to receiver combination in the NFL history. Like this is something that's not going to stop. So once you, once he comes back, you are still spreading the ball now with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Alison Eckler, uh, you know, Josh Palmer is going to get in there with Christian Kirk. Maybe Zay Jones has a day, but it's Christian Kirk undoubtedly. So yeah. um, I, I would be taking Dalvin Cook and Christian, uh, Dalvin Cook and Christian Kirk on that side of the trade for sure. Agreed. Agreed. There you go. There's your, there's your answer. If anyone else has trade advice, we, we will definitely answer it on the show. Um, and uh, one nation underground throws in the get Ritter in there. He loves throwing tight ends from uh, his Bearcat days. So, Hey, that's what they need to do. Steelers just did it with Kenny Pickett. Not yet. Can't it's, wait, it, but not yet. It's time. It, it it's time. <laughs> we talked about it on Monday's show. If you missed it, we talked about how these teams need to the Titans, the Saint or the Titans, the Falcons, and the, the Steelers. Well, the Steelers did it. 
Time to move on to your rookie quarterbacks. See what you got going on you there. You know how I feel about Desmond Ritter. I'll take I, it, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do know. Let's let's shift back to talking about some Week Four action here, uh, and let's talk about some players that that it's uh, it's buying or selling. And now this isn't necessarily buying or selling like trading them. This is buying or selling the production that we saw from Week Four. Thinking is it going to continue or if it doesn't continue. So that's what you're buying or selling here, AJ. Um, not trade, not trade for type candidates. We start off with TJ Hawkinson, big week for TJ Hawkinson. Obviously no Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, no, no, pretty much no one in that offense except for TJ Hawkinson and Jamal Williams there. He did have a big week. Do you think this continues uh, or it, it kind of holds off? Uh, this is going to hold off um, exactly for most of those reasons you just mentioned. T.J. Hawkinson's a great player. Uh, I definitely think you will see the production out of him you need from a top-tier tight end. But let's be honest, he had 12 targets in the game because there was no Amon Ra, because there was no D.J. Chark, because there was no DeAndre Swift. Who else are they going to go to? Josh Reynolds got a, hey, thanks for playing touchdown. Sure. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, once those Every, guys are back. Everyone got a, hey, the, thanks for yeah. playing touchdown <laughs> in that game. They scored 45 <laughs> damn points. Yeah. Now, I'll say this. Over the next couple of weeks, I do expect TJ Hawkinson to be exploding uh, because they're probably going to hold DeAndre Swift out through their bye week. And who knows what Amon Ra is going to be. They may do the same thing just with the fact that their bye week is pretty close. Get these guys healthy. And then you streak to the end of the season. So while TJ Hawkinson's here for the next couple of weeks, uh, expect him to be above his normal seven targets that he saw in week one and week two, maybe somewhere in the eight, nine, 10 target range. And if that's the case, he does get the chance to make the best of it. So you got about, you got about another, you got another week of a very good TJ Hawkinson, but then expect him to come back down to earth when uh, the rest of the Detroit Lions potent offense gets back. Yeah, he had forty. He had thirty nine points in, in our in our league last week. He had ten, which is a good week. But the first yeah. two weeks, seven and five, with how with the way the tight end landscape is, I think that he's still going to be a very good tight end. Um, but not sure, like you said, buying the perform like that type of. It, obviously, thirty nine yeah. points is not. You can't replicate that. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. Um, but <laughs> I, I think that there would still be more or less than ten games for. For a uh, for a TJ Hawkinson, another name out there, Corey Davis. Last season, we saw Corey Davis and Zach Wilson have a connection. Um, they look good. They they look good last season together. This year, Zach Wilson's first game back, eighteen points for Corey Davis. He had uh, five receptions, a touchdown, seventy four receiving yards in the game against Pittsburgh. Buying or selling that Corey Davis continues to be good. No, if you asked me this question last week, which you didn't, I would have sold this. Um, but now I, I think I'm buying he's going to continue to be good. I think that I think Zach Wilson is the type of quarterback who can sustain these three receivers to an extent. Now, it's not going to be these three guys every single week will be having double digits, as you saw Garrett Wilson uh, had to take the, the blunt of it the other day. Um, and I guess so did Elijah Moore. But at one point in time, Corey Davis was the guy you were looking at as third fiddle. Elijah Moore came on strong last year. Garrett Wilson's a great rookie. But Corey Davis is consistent. Corey Davis is that guy you can trust. Seven targets, five targets, nine targets. Only four targets yesterday, and he still was able. Oh, I'm sorry, looking at the wrong person. I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> I was like, nah, that's not correct. Uh, Ten <laughs> targets, four targets, five targets, and seven targets. That's more like it. Um, in the first four weeks, and he's getting a uh, 
seven and five yards per target and then double digit targets the other two weeks. This is a guy who's been, he's been opportunistic. Once he catches the ball, he's finding a way to do something with it. Uh, the two touchdowns have come in great timing uh, near the end zone on one and then a busted coverage on the other, which kind of just worked in his favor, but even still, that's the type of guy you're looking forward to get with. So I, I know that Zach Wilson wants to find a Corey Davis. My question becomes what happens to Elijah Moore, because I think Garrett Wilson is just going to have his rookie blast and it's, it's going to keep stirring it up. So um, I am going to buy Corey Davis. I think he's just too consistent and too much of a safety valve um, to fall out of, fall out of favoritism, so to speak. Yeah, no, I, I think that there's a, there's a clear connection between Zach Wilson and Corey Davis. Even with even with Joe Flacco, Corey Davis wasn't that bad. Like, yeah. so yeah. it's he could be someone that's that's not not a flashy name. It's not it's, it's it's gross when you say Corey Davis is in your lineup, or gross when you say you're putting him in your DFS lineup. But he's been he's been there. He's been the guy. Yeah, he always finds a way to make something happen uh, with that Jets offense. All right. So let's buy or sell. I know there's one player I, I left off the list I told you we would talk about, but I want to talk about him in this section instead. In this past week, we saw Tua Tungavalo go down and Teddy Bridgewater come in in replace of him. And we also saw Kenny Pickett come in to replace Mitch Trubisky. Starting off with Kenny Pickett, this is this is huge for like there's there's big there's that's not an injury. That's not what it's supposed to say. <laughs> I gotta put the right graphic up there. But for Kenny Pickett, though, comes in, replaces Mitch Trubisky. What's the fantasy impact around Kenny Pickett for guys like Deontay Johnson, guys like Najee Harris, guys like George Pickens? What's and Pat, I can't forget Pat Fryer move. What's the right. the fantasy impact of Kenny Pickett on these weapons? Uh, I think this is going to be very good for this Steelers offense. Um, now, one thing we should keep in mind here, yes, we had a very, very small sample size of Kenny Pickett. It was one half. But in that one half, despite the stat line you're looking at here, the 10 for 13, the three interceptions basically is only three incompletions, that offense had life. That offense looked like they were excited to be playing football. Kenny Pickett comes in for a half, and immediately he takes shots. Um so there's some numbers for you here with, with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback this season, the Steelers attempted 42% of their passes, 10 yards down the field and 22% of their passes, 20 yards down the field with the second half alone. Uh, Kenny Pickett attempted 54% of his passes, 10 yards down the field and 31% of his passes, 20 yards or more. The reason the San Francisco 49ers got Trey Lance to take shots, to try to be something more than a game manager is the reason Kenny Pickett is in this offense to prevent, to, to provide a spark, to provide some electricity, to provide opportunity for these big body receivers, like a six, four Claypool, like a six, three George Pickens to go up and get the ball and do what they do best. Now you can talk about the interceptions that he threw really one of them. I blame him for the one that Claypool sure was in double coverage, but if you look at that ball, it was in the only place that Claypool could yeah, catch Claypool's it. Gotta have that. Yeah. He's got to have that. And then the Hail Mary at the end, no big deal. You're trying to make something happen. That that's that's football. The one the fire booth on the edge probably could have just let it go and let the fight another day, but it was, still was a tip drill. So, uh, and then when it comes to George Pickens, I think he's going to get the best of this. There's been a connection with Pickett and Pickens from the preseason. Um, you look at uh, George Pickens yesterday, five passes through the first three weeks. Uh, yesterday he had six catches on eight targets, 
and 102 yards, all obviously career highs. Uh, four of those receptions came from Pickett when he was in there. He saw a target on 33% of his routes run in the second half compared to, I think, 15, uh, 20, 25% in the first half with Mitch Trubisky. So it's obvious that Kenny Pickett loves these big body receivers. He loves the fact – he said it himself – when these guys have one-on-one coverage, he trusts these guys to go up and get the ball. If they're one-on-one, he's going to give them a shot to do so. I'm not going to go crazy on what happened with Deontay Johnson because it seemed like he was erased once Kenny Pickett got in there. Keep in mind, Kenny Pickett has been running with the scout team for the past three three weeks. Yeah. And then at halftime, all of a sudden, hey, I hope you're ready. You're going in. This was a very much draw it in the grass game plan for the second half. You can tell by the way that when you get down the goal line, it's Kenny Pickett running the touchdowns, not handing off to Najee. He even said once that he would, he could have handed off to Najee. He decided to run the ball. Um, I think Deontay Johnson and Kenny Pickett, when they start running together, Deontay Johnson is too big of a talent to let go. I am slightly worried about the drops Deontay Johnson had uh, has had over the season. I've had Deontay Johnson on two seat on two teams and I haven't been ecstatic with him, but I, he's still, he's another guy who's going to get you double digits every single week, basically. So uh, give him time. But I think when it comes to George Pickens, I think you see an uptick with that talent and the connection with Kenny Pickens. I don't think you have to worry about Najee too big of a talent. Um, Claypool has the most to prove if, because if he's going to get these opportunities, he has to come down with it. And Deontay Johnson is still going to be the number one series. He's still going to get the targets. Okay. So fantasy. So the fantasy stock report for that would be Najee still even Deontay still even skyrocket stock for George Pickens. Uh, Claypool. I don't even, I, I, I know people it's, have may have Claypool. I know yeah. his roster percentage is higher, but I am not a Claypool guy. I don't think he's that good of a wide yeah. receiver. I don't think he's – I'm out on Chase Claypool. Um, <laughs> but I, I like Pat Fryermuth in this situation. I like – you know, rookie quarterbacks love their tight ends, and I think that Pat Fryermuth ends up uh, being another, another guy whose stock might go up even more uh, w- with Kenny Pickett. We see this offense not – not off to the hottest start. One of the one of the worst offenses in the NFL right now in terms of production and points and and yards and and everything uh, with Mitch Trubisky. But with Kenny Pickett in, I think it might it might change a little bit. They might get a little bit more creative and find ways to get these guys open. Um, so I then speaking for Pat Fryermuth, I think he's going to be a guy who you might see the stock go up. So stock up yeah. Pickens and Fryermuth stock even for. Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris. Uh, so no stock down for the Kenny, the Kenny Pickett weapons here on the Miami Dolphins side of things though, Tua Tungavaloa comes in and gets injured. Teddy Bridgewater comes in and now he's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Jalen Waddle. Uh, he's got all these guys. Now he's got a ton of weapons that we were, were brought in to help Tua now brought in to help Teddy two gloves. You know, yeah, I like the comment here. Two gloves, two, two gloves, gloves here. Wins. That's the two gloves <laughs> wins. Um, the so Teddy, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosicki, these weapons, and they'll throw I'll throw in the running backs here. What do you think the impact for those guys looks like? Uh, starting off with let's start with the wide receivers and Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Honestly, you don't have a lot to worry about here. Um, Teddy, this is they got Teddy Bridgewater because he fits with Mike McDaniels wants to do intermediate routes, yards after catch type players. He's going to fit in just fine. 
no Teddy Bridgewater is not a deep ball guy. Yeah, uh, he ranked 30, 32nd last year in 2021 with the Broncos. Um, so you may not see the deep shots to Tyreek that you saw from Tua. That may go away a little bit. But we all know that Tyreek Hill is fantastic with yards after the catch. And uh, Bridgewater ranks 13th in true completion. And those are those those intermediate routes, those short routes, and those ones that are caught when it throws down the field. So when you look at a Tyree kill, <coughs> excuse me, he's third in the league in deep catches a season, but his average depth of targets only 9.2 yards. And that's kind of where Teddy Bridgewater lives. So you can get Tyree kill the ball nine, 10 yards and let him do the rest. I don't think you have to worry about him at that point. Jalen Waddle, your only worry is the targets. When, when two is in the game, he has a rapport with Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Teddy Bridgewater came in, short notice, had to make things happen. He went to the stud. He went to the star, Tyreek Hill. But Jalen Waddle's talent is something you cannot think, you cannot ignore. And he is a yards of catch after the monster. <laughs> yards after catch monster. Uh, he ranks first in the league at 143 yards after catch. Um, so when Bridgewater gets in the game, it's the same thought process. These short underneath routes, getting him the ball and letting his speed and letting his his talent and his explosiveness do the rest. Um, so I don't think you have to worry about either one of these guys. They will find ways to get Jalen Waddle the ball. He's too talented not to. And their offense is predicated on these two guys being damn near unstoppable because of what they can do once the ball is in their hands. I think there's a lot of people out there that have some concern for Jalen Waddle, not maybe for an injury. They, maybe there's an injury on the right, like something's wrong with Jalen Waddle. But after that game, it was it was a tough game for Jalen Waddle. It's tough, yeah. tough fantasy week for him. But I, I'm not. No, I don't think anyone should be sounding the alarms for Jalen Waddle just yet. Let's see a full game with Teddy Bridgewater there. And it, it's funny. We talk, I just talked about Pat Fryermuth being like the uh, big guy whose stock goes up because of of Kenny Pickett, like you know rookies, rookies and. Back of quarterbacks love their tight ends. And Tyree Kill is almost like the tight end, basically. He's a safety <laughs> valve guy. Because like you look at the tight end position, it's like those are your safety valve weapons that you can always check down to and it'll be fine. That's what Tyree Kill is. And I fully trust Mike McDaniel too. And I know yeah. he hasn't been a coach for that long, but we've seen him and what he can do with a Jimmy Garoppolo and, and that type of offense. And who knows if that, how much that's Shanahan, how much that's McDaniel, but he knows how to do how to, how to run an offense. And I trust that it's, it's going to be there for, for guys like Hill and Waddle and maybe sprinkle in some Gasicki. He liked a lot of Gasicki and I'm going to mention a name here. And I had him in my DFS play for Thursday and did very well. And I think the connection is there. And I know it's all these weapons. Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be able to support all these weapons. But do not be surprised if next waiver wire show, we're talking about Trent Sherfield. I think he's going to be a guy. He saw the second most targets once Teddy Bridgewater came in. He was productive when he came in and when he was throwing the ball to. You talked about earlier about how Kenny Pickett has been playing with the scout team. That's what Teddy Bridgewater has been doing. And guess who's on that scout team? Trent Sherfield. Trent Sherfield. Bingo. Ding, ding, ding. And again, it's a guy that knows Mike McDaniel. Like that's yeah. the connections there all around. So watch out for Trent Sherfield to be a name that, that kind of sneaks into uh, the conversation for maybe some waiver wire ads in the future. Um, but one last little bit of, of note for Teddy Bridgewater that I want to get your thoughts on uh, before we close things out is the running back position with Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert and what you saw from them in, in that week when Teddy Bridgewater came in 
Do you think their stock is up? Do you think it's stock up for maybe Mostert, stock down for Edmonds, or vice versa? Or what are you thinking? I think it's vice versa. And it may not be due to the opportunities they get. I still think Mostert has showed he's probably the number one, actually, in that in that offense now. Uh, but it was the way that they used Chase Edmonds when he was in the game. He did – Bridgewater looked for Edmonds. And then around the red zone, he looked for Edmonds again. Uh, his red zone percentage is around like 68%, I think it was. Uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong, I could be talking about, yeah, that was definitely Moster who uh, had 68% of the carries. I knew that number was off. I was like, no way. Um, but uh, once they got into the red zone, Edmonds was the running back that they utilized. So if he can get those little those little leak out routes from Teddy Bridgewater to run it to get into the end zone off of the side, uh, if he can get the guy, if he can get in through the tackles like they were hoping to get in with Teddy Bridgewater, if he becomes that security blanket uh, for Bridgewater. Chase Edmonds' stock goes up because even though he's not getting the opportunity, it's high value. I mean, you look at his numbers um, with with uh, the small amount that he has, he's been able to produce. I mean, he put up double digits last week despite not being the guy. Uh, 10 points on 28% of the snaps, only five attempts, uh, three targets, two receptions, and still had a touchdown, put up double digits. He's always been that type of guy. 44% of snaps the week before, 15 fantasy points. So even though he's not in 70, 80% of the snaps, once he's in, he's making the most of his touches, which always baffles me that he's not getting more volume. I mean, but but that's the type of guy he is. So I think that his stock may go up. And you'll see you'll see uh Raheem Mostert kind of stay the same. They'll keep using him the way they have and letting him get most of the run. And Teddy Bridgewell come vulture some stuff. I'm sorry, Chase Evans come vulture some stuff away. And yeah. I'll say this we're talking about it real quick. I apologize. Super wrong on Chase Edmonds being an RB1. My no. Man, I, yeah, that's, that that's not a wrong. thing. Uh, he is a fringe <laughs> RB2 in my opinion. Yeah. I think yeah, he yeah. is a borderline arc flex. Right. And for Chase Edmonds, I think he's a borderline flex slash low, very low end running back too. Uh, I think Mostert's going to have – I think Mostert's might be, Mostert might be involved a little bit more on this offense than, than a lot of people expected. He Remember, when Mostert's healthy – yeah, he's a good running back. Like when he's on the field, he can be a good running back. He's explosive and he's a big play machine. Like, and that's, that's what fits the Mike McDaniels offense. And there's a reason why he came over. Like the re- there's a reason why Raheem Mostert's here, but again, they paid Chase Edmonds. So that's also a thing and not to, it's not to downplay Chase Edmonds. It's to really build up a, uh, a Raheem Mostert here, which is crazy to say that we're building up Raheem Mostert, but that's, that's the way we are. That's what we're doing here in week four. Um, week five is, uh, is a week four is coming gone though. Week five is on the horizon Sunday. We'll be back again for our fantasy our uh, pigskins and pancakes show at 11 a.m. Eastern time, giving you our starts and sits, our rankings, uh, our DFS plays, our streamers, everything you need to know about week five foot fantasy football to win your leagues will be live at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday for pigskins and pancakes. AJ, buddy old pal. Yeah. It's almost time to say adieu, but we're going to do it one last time. Hey. We're going to do it one Speaking last time. We're going to bring the beat back. Do? Fantastic. <laughs> Let's see if we can close out strong. Let's see how I do it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for rocking with the Sac City Pod. And that's exactly where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you haven't already, you've been in this show damn near an hour. How have you not hit that like? 
Have you not hit that share? Have you not hit that subscribe button? If you're on YouTube, which it should be, there's a little bell right down there at the bottom right. Go ahead and hit that so you can be notified every time we drop in contact because we do it 24 8 366. Please, at Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Like, share, follow, tell somebody, tell everybody. Your boys are back in town. There it is. There it is. All right. Tomorrow we'll be back live at 10 a.m. Eastern time, breaking down our power rankings for uh, the NFL season. Oh, it's going to be a good one. We might see a new number one. We might see a new number two. We might see a new number three. Who knows? You got to tune in to find out tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time for our power rankings. We're also previewing the Thursday night matchup between the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos, uh, all that and so much more on tomorrow's show. Don't miss out. AJ, it was good to have you back. It's good to have you back yeah. more often uh, yes, in, the com- in the coming days. So we'll, we'll see you again this week. Uh, but for your boy, AJ Johnson, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Holla. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city, so don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City, population, one more. <laughs>